chesty stage and all the rest of it but um the interesting one was when i had my um you know you you know you you get joy they warned like when you if you get a, a vaccination they warn of joint pain yeah yeah and um and when, I, when i got my second vax i got um funnily enough, i got joint pain in my right knee where i had an acl operation five years ago right and that was and that was the only place where i got the joint pain because it, it basically, it goes around your body and finds like a, a weak point and, and hammers that. And a friend of mine who had a back operation, they got pain in the, you know, they got pain in that. And another friend who had a, who broke a bone in their foot a couple of days ago, she, a couple of months previously, she got pain there. Right. Well, I had a hernia operation six weeks ago. And for two days, I had horrendous stabbing pain in my hernia, in my hernia wound. No way. Um, so, so that was, that was an interesting, uh, 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 effect, but, uh, I'm not gonna call it a side effect cause it's definitely a fucking effect. Yeah. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm double boot, I'm double vaxxed and boosted as well. So, um, I wouldn't like to be, I wouldn't be like to be doing this if I hadn't been. Christ, <laughs> no, you think you would have been a lot worse. Yeah. Going oh. on that, that pain thing, H, I, I've got like this weird, like like dull sort of hip pain on both sides it's inside my vaccinations even when i'm laying uh-huh. in bed and i have to like in the middle of the night turn over because it's like aching i'm like never i never had that before and it's really That's getting on my fucking nerves yeah yeah well it, it yeah it might be um it, it, it might be the vax but um i mean now i'm you know now i've actually had covid because I, you know, I, I thought I had it a few times, you know, and, and you're like, mm, oh, have I? but no, I mean, you know, I've tested positive on a lateral flow on New Year's Eve morning. So I had to readjust my plans. I've been sat in the house for six fucking weeks because I had to, I had, I had to self isolate for five days before my hernia operation. Um, I broke my hand on the morning of my hernia operation. So I ended up having a hernia operation and having my hand set and casted at the same time. How'd you um, do that, the hand? Do you know what? I've come up with quite a few stories. <laughs> Truth is, I punched a book. <laughs> a book? Was it a, was it a particularly uh, and, bad book? And, and I, I punched it, it so Bible, hard. Was it? 
Uh, well, do you know what the weird thing about the weird thing about people in medicine is? I like I went to the hospital and I like made this story up that you know, or you know, I tripped and fell, and they were like, "Really?" Because it looks like you punched something. Yeah. <laughs> I know what they're talking about, don't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, uh, I fell over, and this bottle of ketchup ended up my ass. Um, <laughs> and, um, and um oh my so God. Ba- so so basically um long story short i was in hospital i was in hospital for a day um they completely forgot about me turned up a quarter to six and said sorry your operation's been cancelled oh and and let, let's just say I'd, i um I, I wouldn't say that i you know i didn't have a tantrum i'm not an unreasonable man but i just explained to them exactly how they'd fucked up that day because ultimately I'm I'm a reasonable man and I understand that there's not unlimited NHS resources and that if they if if they're not able to do my operation that day there's there's clearly a reason for it but what they did do was just left me alone in the corner of a ward on my own and not tell me a fucking thing yeah, yeah. until someone until the surgeon came up and went sorry operation's been cancelled and I was like what do you mean cancelled and their stuff yeah, yeah, I presume man. you. I presume you'll edit all the COVID shit out. And if you didn't, well, that's cool. No, no man, we're, we're living in. it in, living the book, yeah. punching the fucking lot. It's current, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 especially the biz annual, man. You know, Christ. I'd, I'd, I'd tell you what. I'd tell you what. If you if you, if you don't title this interview uh, interview with our favourite dickhead, then I'll be I'll be I'll be really disappointed because I have displayed all all of the symptoms of COVID and dickheadedness. <laughs> classic it's oh, kind of cool actually talking to you because i've been like listening to your podcast for ages and and the motorcars one which i love and oh, cool. uh hearing you. your voice and you chatting to people for ages and now you're like here talking to us it's pretty cool yeah actually. it's cool no, I'm, loving, I'm loving it well i'm 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 flattered i'm not a bit i'm not i'm not a big enough star to go well yeah of course you'd feel like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that, that that you know that that always puts a smile on my face when anybody like you know drops a message or any and and it's worth it's worth putting this out there for anybody who's listening as well that any any message you send to anyone you know of uh, it's it, if it's you know positive or negative but usually hopefully positive um, it really, it really does make a difference. I mean, you know, I, I, whenever I get a message from anybody about like, you know, oh, I love the podcast or anything like that, I, it, it, it gives me a real buzz. You know, it's just a little, it's a little, and you guys know this, you've got a podcast. It's, mm. it's, it's a little, it's a little sort of, it's a little, that's why we do this. Yeah. Let's, you know, keep going and it's worth doing. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Cause there are them times where you think, now is anyone listening <laughs> is, is this worth it and then you do get you do get messages don't you or little comments on the thing oh that was good interview yeah. or really like that like we had the someone wrote a really good one when we done rex brown was someone was like like eternally grateful for the for the rex brown, brown podcast weren't they i was like, yeah, this yeah. Is, like someone yeah, really yeah. Would, if anyone like you know we put it out for free I, and we would always do that and it's just until someone wants to pay us until Spotify <laughs> want to just fuck Joe Rogan off and get us, then that, that's always going to be free. <laughs> but that's that's re- that's really cool. That, that is really cool. That is really cool. And and I, you know, like I said, I, I, I know how you feel. I mean, I I always like it when people are like, you know, oh, you know, thanks for thanks for like, you know, turning me onto this band, or you know, 
I, you know, you know, when people discover, for me, that's the biggest thing. That's Mm -hmm. the biggest thing ever. Not like, oh, you know, I mean, I like, yeah, it's nice to hear that you've done a good interview, but if a band has, if someone's discovered a band through something, you know, a band you've mentioned or, or an, or an interview you've done for me, that's the biggest buzz of all because discovering a new band, that's, that's what it's all about for me. Totally, totally. Ever since, ever since I was a fucking kid, that's why I love doing the podcast and i love doing my patreon stuff as well it's because ever since i was a kid you know i if i was i'm all and still am i'm always back it's the next band the next band the next band the next band what's new what's new find it spread it tell yeah. everyone oh totally yeah, yeah. We're, and, all and now, we're all we're all about that aren't we we're all yeah, exactly. on new bands playing telling people about bands you know, getting into bands, going to watch bands, local bands. We were always doing it. Yeah. yeah. I always, it always, ama- I mean, you know, playing in an old school thrash band, it always amazes me when, you know, people are like, you know, oh, I blast, don't play anything past like 1989. And I just think, you sad fucker. Yeah. You know, how, how, that is not something to boast about. If I were you, I keep that to yourself. There's a lot of good music out there. You just have to look for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to look that hard. No, yeah. you don't. It's so easy for, for anyone to get their music out there these days, isn't it? That's the thing. Which, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and thing. lists, you know, lists are everywhere. I mean, well, when I, when we when we brought The Age of Entitlement out in 2019 and we ended up on um, uh, a lot of um, uh, album of the year lists, I mean, might have something to do with us deliberately releasing it around the end of the year. Um, <laughs> but um, ooh, but it, it, I, I, I'd look at those lists. First thing is, like, you know, where are we on the list? And the second thing is, who else is in the list and who I haven't heard of? Because, like, yeah. I've got to go listen to that. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I, mean, I find that yeah. really interesting, you know. We just done our own list, didn't we? Yeah, we did our own list. albums of the year. Metal yeah. and hard. And, 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 year, and yeah. you know what? And you know what? I'm go- I, I do a top five every year, as you, as you probably know. And um, only one of your top 15 is in my top five. But that's, Which one was know? it? Which one was it? That was um oh uh turnstile glow on oh mate yeah. it's all like it's all i can listen to in the car at the moment i literally cannot stop listening to it he's gonna see him yeah feb i think i'm February. going to see him. yeah well oh, f- fingers crossed yeah i've just yeah, I, I, crossed, was getting, yeah. I was i was going to see haken in february but um i've just had my tickets refunded that's been that's been pulled which is um which is gutting because uh um big fan discovered them in lockdown and just fucking blew me the fuck away and what's really mm. weird is um, one of my mates went, is a drummer, went to school with Haken's drummer. And first time he mentioned Haken to me was about four years ago and I'd never heard of them. Right. And, uh, and, and I'd never, never got into them. And then during lockdown, they, um, uh, they brought, they brought an album out and, um, and I was just like, Christ, this is amazing. So ended up getting into them. But yeah, sorry, off topic turnstile. Uh, for me, the, if there is such a thing, the Deftones of hardcore. Yeah, hundred percent. It's crazy. Do you know what have I mean? You, have you have you have you watched that like that tiny desk gig they do? There, there's like um, there's a little. It's only fifteen minutes long. It's like five or six songs, but it's they kind of they've reinterpreted like um five or six songs off Glow On, and it's so good. Oh, just right. just to actually, I'll send you a link later. But just to see them like sitting around and just like playing and like they do it in like one of their basements or something. And they've got someone in just to put like cuddly toys everywhere. It's just, it's so unique and it's just different. Cuddly but, toys. But Well, they, the thing is they, they are, but they are, but I mean, there's like, there, never has there been a heavier album that sounded less heavy no, exactly. than, than, than glow on. Cause mm. it's like, it, it, it's produced like a pop album. 
Exactly. Like the that. guitar, the guitars, the guitars have got like, you know, no attack. The no. drums are not like, you know, not metal or hardcore drums at all, but it, 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 it all works. You know, it all oh, just, yeah. it all just knits together. It, oh, I'm, so I'm, good. yeah, I, I, I love it. I really do. I think it's, I think it's superb. And I think there's a, I think there's a real, there's a real, um, merit in the direction they're heading, um, yeah, with that, that because I think now there's like, you know, it was all for me, it was always 50 50 as to the, whether they were a hardcore band. Clearly they are live, yeah. but now yeah. they're like, they're drifting off into like, they're creating a new genre, like hardcore pop or something. I don't know. It's just, yeah. It's, Oh, definitely. But well, do you know what it works? And there's a lot of bands doing like completely changing their styles like that, isn't there? Like, um, uh, one that springs to mind, like, have you heard Deaf Heaven? Um, I do my best to avoid that pile of shit any any time I can. <laughs> oh, really? But what I mean is, is like, they started <laughs> off as like a, black, they were like I a black metal them. band, weren't they? And, and like now they're I'm, like a shoegaze band. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they, every, every iteration of Deaf Heaven is something that I would, I would run away from at every yeah, yeah, chance. Yeah. I, and Zealanada as well, which is somebody else, another band that people rave about. And I just think I, I'm just like amazed anyone likes them. Um, <laughs> you know, never mind them being as popular as they are. But hey, you know, I, it's just honesty. You know, people are free, free, are free to say that about, um, you know, about Acid Rain. And I'm, I'm not going to take offense. It's just, um, uh, yeah, you know, you like what you like, don't you? Well, I mean, if everybody liked the same thing, it would be a pretty boring conversation, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, was we, what was we listening to in the car that i said that h likes what was that thing with a dragon oh yeah um uh protest the hero protest the hero you you oh. see i listen to that he doesn't like and them, i can't I've, see I've this listened, is what musical taste like. i can't, I can't so deal with it with can't yeah. deal with it and he's like yeah i know them i like them and i'm like i just can't i don't like the vocals <laughs> Well, that, that palimpsest, that is a work of fucking genius. That, um, I mean, it's, it's, the, the, he loves it. The lyrics, <laughs> yeah, the lyrics, the vocals, especially, um, are just, uh, are just incredible. Um, and also, Rody, the singer, is, is one of my favorite guests. The interview I did with him is one of my favorite interviews that, that I've done on the podcast because we, we, we went on for way longer than we should have done. Um, he had, to, he cut, he had to cut his warm ups short for the gig because we were ch- chatting so long. Uh, he, um, that's the protest the hero, um, tangent out the way as well. Yeah, man. I, mean, I haven't listened to him for a long time. I didn't even know that album was out, but, um, I think there, See, was, I put there you was on one that, out, man. there was one out years ago. I think it was called Kezia or something like that. Something like yeah. that. I think it was like their first or their second album and it was fantastic. You know, I really, really enjoyed ah, it. Well, v- Volition, the, the album that precedes, well, actually it doesn't precede Palimpsest because they, they tried to break the mold and release individual songs and call it an album, but that didn't kind of work. But Volition is the one where they did a massive, um, uh, crowdfund on it. Right. And they, they were, they were basically, they were after like $50,000 and they were going to, and they say, if we get that, we'll go into a big studio, we'll get a big producer. Um, we'll, we'll get a top, you know, we'll get a top session drummer and we'll make an amazing album for you all. And, uh, they did 50 grand in 36 hours and ended up with a hundred grand. No way. It, it was, it was one of the real early bands who just Pretty smashed 
crowdfunding to pieces. Yeah. So they hired Chris Adler of Love God to play the drums on the album. My way. <laughs> yes. So Chris Adler weird. plays on the album, and they they, they basically just I, I was like they just pissed it all up the wall. I just said, said to Roddy, you know, you know, Roddy, would you do that again? Would you go into a massive studio and do that again? He was like, No way, man. That was such a fun. <laughs> Well, I suppose there's a lot of pressure on that, and Christ, I mean, you don't get much, you don't get a bigger drummer than Chris Adler, do you? You know. Uh, well, I think he'd lost weight at the time. <laughs> that a guy I went to school with, I won't mention any names, but anyway, he he was responsible for setting up one of the first. He was responsible for setting up Crowdfunder. It might not have been Crowdfunder, but it was one of them. You know, there's a few different ones, isn't there? Change. He one set up one of them. It was his idea, yeah. and it made him an absolute fortune. Yeah, there's uh, there was there, there was there was pledge there was pledge dot com which went under, yeah. um, and meant we didn't get a lot of albums and a lot of people didn't get their money back. Mm. There's Kickstarter and but it's funny because a lot of people said at the time that um, you know w- before we before we put our album out we'd recorded it and then we went um, well then I went label shopping and um, the amount of people that said um, oh why don't you crowdfund it why don't you crowdfund it it's like because I don't want to work for a record company. Mm. because people think people thought that it's like oh you crowdfund it yeah well that means i get them that means that as a band we get the money great but then we have to become a record label yeah. we get the money then we have to get vinyl pressed we have to get we have to we, we have to do all the manufacturing fuck off yeah yeah you've got to do all the work <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sorry busy got a life yeah, you know yeah. um you know crowdfunding wasn't it like you know we, we, just seem to be you know like this 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 cure-all this like oh yeah it's great and it's like it's a lot of fucking work a lot you've also got to create all these different engaging tiers you're gonna have to get t-shirts done you're gonna have to get packages done you know and all of that stuff and it's just like it's a massive massive logistical operation yeah all your Um, promotion just literally everything everything yeah yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, and the, the state of like, um, you know, the record plants and everything at the moment, getting anything like that done, if, unless you've got like a massive company behind you, must be a logistical nightmare. Oh, Ex- yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, we were, we, you know, we ended up going with, um, with Dissonance who, who were owned by Plastic Head at the time. They're now owned by Cherry Red, but, um, you've got to have, you've got to have a, you know, a fair bit of uh, weight behind you in the music business to, to, to even get vinyl pressed. Mm. And if you're trying to get like, you know, if you're, if you're doing, a, if you're doing a self funder and you want to get vinyl pressed, that's going to delete, delay the, the release of your album by about a year. Yeah, of course. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, a lot of bands are saying they just can't get the vinyl now. There's like six to eight months wait on getting the vinyl. Yeah. There's so many bands now who are yeah. releasing their albums at like all different times, aren't they? Like, um, like, it will be released digitally yeah and then like two months later you can buy the cd and then like six months later you can buy the vinyl it's and like you, the 18 visions one you can yeah. buy the vinyl now yeah that was that and they, they get you yeah. to pay for it which is understandable because they're going to need the money but before the stock has even come in yeah yeah no, it, well it's it, yeah it's just it's it's crazy but um you know that's it's the way it is at the moment um but also you know when it, it, a self-funded or a crowdfunder okay it might mean you get the album you know you get the album out there but you're only going to get the album out there to people who have you know help fund it yeah. the whole point of putting the album out is to is to is to reach people who don't know you've got an album out might not even know that you're a band 
no, you know that's it. That's so it. um so that's you know anyway so we went with the label and it works out <laughs> are you yeah, gonna yeah. so now you've done the age of entitlement and obviously it was great and it's a success and you've done blood bloodstock and all that are you gonna you got the new lineup are you gonna keep rolling and do another album are you gonna it's you not wait? a new lineup it's not a new it's lineup. Not, no. it's, the old, it's the oldest lineup of acid rain there's ever right, been right okay we've we we've been together longer than the original lineup by by some distance wow. so we've been together uh, coming up um next month we'll have been together seven years so the original um lineup of acid rain i was the only original member in that but the original lineup of acid rain was you know 87 to 91 four years yeah, so so yeah we're up to seven now um but i but i know what you mean it's just that i oh, i mean I, I, no i'm just are you gonna yeah, keep I, it going are you gonna, yeah. you're, obviously um, you are by the sounds of it well that's that, that's <laughs> the idea we've you know we've, we've got um we've got um hard rock hell um in march fingers crossed so um so we've got some, yeah, we've, got some <laughs> yeah, we've got some shows yeah we've got we, we, we've got some shows booked um we were looking at bu- booking some more dates until omicron hit um we we're gonna have to wait and see how this shakes out yeah um uh and and you know it's also since um bloodstock we've you know we've 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 really had um a lot going on in the band that's got nothing to do with music Mm. um i mean for a start paul got you know covid really really badly uh, to the extent that we did the, the six dates as a four piece. Um, we, since then we have another member who has had serious health issues. Um, you know, I've, I've had a hernia operation, broken my hand that literally every single one of us has had major stuff going on in their lives, you know, nothing to do with the bat. And so we, you know, we're literally no further forward on um on on working on an album than we were in august because everybody has just had shit to deal with so we'll be getting together um on zoom in in january at some point um and picking up where we left off the last zoom and um uh, and establishing you know the way forward um but yeah everybody's just had a lot on their plate so it's um yeah it's it's been a it's been a tough old end of the year for everybody really and that's and that's like but yeah, I mean, you know, that makes us no different from anybody listening to this, really. Yeah, I mean, everyone's been on polls, haven't they? I don't, I don't know. We we like we've managed to do a podcast through a pandemic. <laughs> it's different for us. But the same time, there was so much shit going on. Like, yeah, we did one of our podcasts, and the day after, I had a fucking heart attack yeah. and died twice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Bloody different. hell! Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day after, I hate God podcast. Yeah, that wasn't pleasant. <laughs> Yeah, fucking hell! We've, we've wow, still here. Still here just. We've, we've done podcasts where we've got, we've had them arranged and got out of isolation on that morning. Yeah, we've been able to still do them. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking weird. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I pitched, I pitched um, the motorcast in lockdown, and um, yeah, and it? and start and started doing the motorcast while still in lockdown. Yeah, it was going to ask you how how did that come about? How did, did they contact you about that? What or was it your um, idea or what well you're a you're a you're a talking bollocks listener so um yeah, uh uh miles miles 
yeah miles from uh drive he dry heave um records who put out plan of the damned on vinyl for us um works at bmg and um and i messaged him and i said um I'd had him on before because he curated all of the uh, the noise catalog. BMG bought the noise catalog, and he sort of curated that and put all those brilliant re-releases out that you've seen. You know, the remasters of uh, Celtic Frost and Creator and 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 Death Row and all of that. So I had him on, and and I wanted to get him on the show again. And um, so I got him on, and we we had a, a right old chat, and then offline. We can tell you to sort of yeah talk about stuff we couldn't talk about, you know, for the for the during the interview, and uh, and he mentioned he's got like load of Motorhead stuff coming up and all the rest of it. And I said I said you should have a you should have a podcast. You know, Motorhead's iconic. You know, you could easily get away with a, a Motorhead podcast. And Miles was like, yeah, absolutely, that's a great idea. Um, I'm going to bring it up at the next marketing meeting, marketing meeting, and I'll let you know. And um, now bearing in mind. I've been around a long time and, you know, you, you throw all these ideas out there and people are positive about them and they never happen. And Miles came back to me within two or three days and said, brought it up at the marketing meeting. Everyone else said it was a brilliant idea as well. So brilliant. They've already, they'd already had the idea, but couldn't find a host. Oh, there you go. Uh, and he said, so me pitching the idea with a host attached. He said, so anyway, it's got the all clear from the label. It's now gone up. It's now gone up the up the chain to Motorhead Management. Motorhead Management asked for a link to the podcast. I sent a link through and uh, Stefan, who um, runs Motorhead. This is Stefan Shirazi, who, you know, um, used to edit the So What, the Metallica fanzine, used to write, you know, for Metallica. So he's been around. Um, he looked up the podcast to give it a listen and the episode that was at the top that was the most recent was the interview it was an interview i did with tony mottram who's a like legendary rock photographer um and also a real um eccentric he's just a lovely guy you know it's, it's a great interview sorry and that's that's not because of me it's because of him he's um he's great it's just chaotic and and all over the place and and it's great because you know me having adhd that that, that works for me 10 times over and um and it turns out that stefan knew tony of old and so like dived straight into that podcast which was an ideal um podcast you know episode for him to listen to and and he he uh, messaged miles like halfway through the interview going this this is fucking great yes yes tell him yes let's do this so um the the motorcast was born mm, amazing and it's, it, a, it's a yeah, good it's a, idea it, and yeah and it definitely they definitely should have well it's pretty obvious now they should have a motorhead podcast because it is great isn't it people come oh. on they just They've got so many stories about motorhead. It's unbelievable. There's got to be a lot of stories out there. there is. <laughs> it's, it's, it is. I mean, I, I've got to be honest, right? I mean, I, I'm, I've never been the biggest motorhead fan, right? And that's, you know, I, 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 I saw him at um, uh, Donington. Um, Orgasmatron was my album. That's that's the motorhead album that I loved. I went and saw him on tour as well um always and always you know totally respectful of the legacy and everything else but i've also also my uh, i you know i think i've gone on record a few times as saying i wasn't a particular 
particularly a big fan of Lemmy. Mm. Um, and boy, what a fucking idiot I am. Um, you know, I, um, the, having spoken to so many people now who, um, have known him for years and, uh, and, and the stories and it's really weird. You know, I feel like I've got this really strong connection to Lemmy now because mm. I've spoken to so many people who are so close to him. I've had so many things and I've been, and I've been welcomed into the motorhead fold as it were by the fan base and everyone. And, and, you know, I've, I feel terrible about, um, things that I've, I've, you know, things I've said in the past, but, but also embarrassed really, because I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, and I, I, I just, do you know, honestly, I feel, I just feel so cheated that I never got a chance to meet the guy and, and, and interview him. Cause I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I work for him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really weird. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, as I, I say on the motorcast, I'm, I'm sort of curating this, this, you know, the legacy of motorhead stories and Lemmy stories. And it's all honoring the, the motorhead memory and, and, and specifically Lemmy's memory. And it's really weird because I'll never, I'll never get to meet him. I'll yeah, never, yeah. I'll never get to ask him if he thinks it's all right, if I'm doing a good job and I'll, I'll never know. And it's, it is, it's really, it is really, really, um, kind it's of just, frustrating for you, isn't it? Really? You, wouldn't it, it be good to have Lemmy on the motorcars? <laughs> it, 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 I mean, yeah, of course, but, um, it's, it, it's odd. It's, I'm not doing, I, I'm not doing a very good job of describing it. And that's because I don't yeah. really know how to describe it. Um, I think, um, other than, you know, it's just, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. And that sounds so fucking cheesy. It's untrue, but it is true. It is genuinely an honor and a privilege. I have Motorhead fans messaging me, thanking me. And every time I get with these messages, I'm in, I feel embarrassed because I just think if only you knew what a dickhead I was, <laughs> you I've know, I've always loved Motorhead. I've always, I mean, no remorse was the album that I had, the no remorse CD. And then I, I got given some vinyls years ago, like they're in mint condition as well. Like they're the nuts in vinyls, overkill and all that. No, um, the Hammersmith live one and that, but yeah, always loved them. Saw them. We saw him at the cliffs, didn't we? Oh yeah, Southend. Can handle it. I it mean, we saw so saw him at download. We saw bar. him at download, yeah, and we saw him at Sonosphere. They were great, you know. It's the 2011 Sonosphere was one of them. Yeah, but then, that's out. That's out in the open. Yeah, I know. Oh my god! And then we saw him at the Cliffs Pavilion, Southend, mm. and sort of two or three songs and had to retreat to the bar. My ears felt like they were bleeding. Was I'm not even joking. It was genuinely. Oh, it actually hurt. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. And then we yeah. went, <laughs> we just got pissed in the bar and went back in for the last song because <laughs> it was painful, mate. I mean, it was like, and I told my mate Big K about this and he, he's, he's seen Motorhead so many times. He's got all the t-shirts, all the vinyls. I mean, he's one of those road crew people, like, you know, die yeah. hard Motorhead. He's one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was like, you fucking couldn't, you couldn't go and you couldn't stand the gig. You're, you're a joke. You've gone to the gig and you couldn't stand it. He went, how can you walk out on the motorhead? I'm like, Tch. yeah, couldn't bear it, mate. 
couldn't bear it. And and I, the I, festival was brilliant. <laughs> well, I, I, well, look, I have to say, I have to say as well that, um, that I, that I, I, you know, I, I get, I get the re-releases now. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm discovering Motorhead all over, all over again. You know, um, I mean, the, the, the Ace of Spades, like, you know, remaster and everything is just, it's just amazing. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. just sounds incredible. And, um, I got the original of that on vinyl. That was part yeah, of that. Well, that was I mean, one of the albums I was given. I, well, I, I like I said, the, the, the label send me kind of every version of every re-release because I'm going to be talking about them. So yeah. I, I get the massive eight, um, eight vinyl box set of ace of spades completely Sweet. bullet bullet belt wrapped around it and all the rest of it and they've got uh, a poker they, table or something you don't want for that yeah the poker bo- table. The i'm sure you were saying that on your podcast yeah yeah the lid of the box is um is a uh, it, yeah, it's just it, honestly well you know so i'm told i've I, you know I've, I've never opened it because i'm i'm like you know no i'm a sub yeah. <laughs> you know um well, but I've, um one little story about lemmy when he Sorry, just while I think of it, no, go it. it's my only little Lemmy story, is that when he played South End the Cliffs Pavilion, my my wife was the manager for twelve years there, of the of the Cliffs and the Palace in South End, and he, you know, he's all into his uh, collecting war memorabilia. He, he got he, he let all the all the backstage crew come was sitting with him drinking after the gig, yeah. All, he didn't just piss off; he was there and he was drinking with them. Everyone got to meet him, having photos with him and all that. And then he said, he said to my missus, can you get one of your guys or a runner or whatever to take me to the Battles Bridge Antique Fair, which is only about 20, 15, 20 minutes from South End. And they've yeah. got these, they've got little tiny antique shops there and they've got guns in there and they've got all like the odd bit of Nazi stuff. And he, he, he wanted them to take him there and he went there the next day. <clears throat> I think it was on the Sunday. And he went round there and he just went in there. Was like, he got it all and drove him back to the cliffs. And he's got all that yeah, stuff man. in his flat. You see it on the, uh, on the DVD. That's so good. Oh, yeah. DVD, isn't it? And then that was his, on... that, that was his thing. You know, yeah. that, that was his thing. That Lemmy DVD. And then he goes on stage with Metallica and with Dave Grohl and all that. It's such a good DVD. I've got that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just uh, talk, let's talk about you a bit. We only asked him one fucking question yet. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's still pretty cool. <laughs> I oh, know we did ask you how you got the motorcast, and now we know. True, so, and you did. And to be fair, you did. Uh, you did ask about you know, like the, the you know acid rain and you know what our plans were and stuff. So that's true. Yeah. So don't be so hard. We ask everyone this. It's not the great. Right, I refuse to answer then. And <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got a few few funny questions. But now, what was your first ever gig you went to? And I think I already know it because I've listened to your podcast. But Hobo doesn't know. So right, first ever nice. gig. 1984, um, Leeds University Refectory, um, Fugazi Tour, Marillion. And, and, and that was, and the the great thing is that blew me away. They were my like, they, you know, Marillion are responsible for my love of music, basically. Um, and it was so fucking good that, um, I was I was supposed to go away on a trip to France with the school, but instead um, I got my I got my parents to write me a note to get out of it, and um, and went and got tickets 
and went to see and went to see them again at Sheffield City Hall. And the cool thing was um, that the, the lead show was a sweaty university small show, and the new album Fugazi wasn't out yet because it was like big fuck up and all the rest of it. And it's just been like the 30th anniversary and you, you find out why on the DVD and all the rest of it. Cause yes, I'm a geek and I got all that. And, um, uh, so I got to see them without knowing the new songs in a sweaty, you know, little gig, then got the album, played it religiously, knew the new songs quite well, went to see them at Sheffield university. I'm sorry, at Sheffield city hall where they had the full Fugazi, um, show so it was like two completely different shows one end of the scale to the other but the same band kind of like the warm-up I... and the main the main event yeah yeah so my second ever gig was also Marillion on the fugazi <laughs> tour so, so, uh, when you started answering that question i don't really know anything about Marillion, but i was like oh wow because you said fugazi and i thought you were talking about the hardcore band ah <laughs> you threw right. me you threw me there for a second yeah yeah because i no i i'm not i'm not that cool it's Marillion. <laughs> <laughs> it's still pretty cool to be fair i don't know much about them but no it was just cool. i mean i i can still i can still remember clearly i can still remember clearly hanging off the balcony like it was a it was a university kind of uh, first floor balcony, so it was basically um, a, uh, a handrail with metal bars down it. And because I was like you know small, I could I could almost squeeze through the bars and to get even close. Um, hanging from the railings, just remember it clear as day. I remember bits of the Sheffield City Hall gig clear as day, especially doing Fugazi. But the one thing that came away. From all of this, bearing in mind, um, there's no pictures of the band on the first two albums. So until I saw Recycling the Script on TV one night, which we all gathered around the TV to see what the band looked like, see what Fish looked like. Because, you know, I I wasn't old enough to even know what Kerrang was, never mind buy the fucking thing. Mm. So, so, but anyway, the, the big thing that I came away with was, having seen the band twice, was that... Wow. Between songs can be entertaining yeah. because, every, you know, you see bands on TV and blah, blah, and like between songs was just people milling about or, or just, or you get a description of what the next song was about or, or somebody would say, if you're lucky, you know, how is everybody? Is everyone having fun? Whatever, you know, if it was an American band, insert name of city here, I love this you know whatever (laughs) but going to see same fish this raconteur like holding an audience and 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 like in the palm of his hand between songs i came away from the first two live gigs i'd ever been to going right note to self between songs it, it is it is not a break from the entertainment it's where the entertainment continues yeah so and and you know i've been ripping him off ever since <laughs> that was a big thing for me yeah, you had a good old chat on your uh bloodstock gig didn't you in between songs ah well you kept that going yeah. well as one as one um as one review said it, that the uh that the break was 10 minutes it might fe- it might have felt like 10 minutes it was actually almost exactly five minutes 
because uh, the whole show is on YouTube and you can time it. But the, the weird thing about that was that um, we got to the end of the song. It was obvious that Paul's gear was fucked. So we had to get that sorted. And I just, I just went into emceeing a comedy show. And, and instead of it being a comedy show with like 200 people in a club, it was 20,000 people in a field. <laughs> um, but, but the principles are the same, which is engage with the audience, keep them, keep them engaged, but also explain to them what's going on, but also explain to them what's going on from our point of view, which is not happy about this, going to sort it out. And as I said on stage, you know, you ever had one of those days where, you know, you walk into work and everything just fucking starts going wrong immediately. That's what's, that's what this feels like. Mm. Because if you, if you help the audience to understand the position you're in and how you feel, they will get on your side and they will, they, they will you to succeed and they stay with you. If you just go, Oh, we've got three problems up here. Hang on a minute. Well, you know, you, people in the audience start thinking, You've had two years to prepare for this gig. Fucking sort it out. Do you know I mean? I've paid my money here. Get on with it. What the fuck's yeah, going on? And people no, start, kept, and people start wandering well. off. Kept it going well. Oh, it's, hey, thank you yeah, very so much. Circle pits and everything going on, didn't you? Um, it, I, 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 I watched it. I watched the whole thing. I, I, it, was, it, was, um, it, it was incredible. I mean, we, you know, we, we came off stage and um, um, somebody from, like, from who, you know, very high up in the festival went right well main stage has started now um and apparently Sweet. they you know they uh, and apparently the you know the, the crowd swelled before we came on um so i'm told um and um and yeah we we, we absolutely loved it i mean you know 2016 at bloodstock headline in the sophie tent was um was orgasmic and um and apart from Paul's gear problems. Um, the, uh, the the show, uh, you know, the show on the main stage was just was fucking great. Loved it. So Loved cool, it. man. Was that like your first kind of <coughs> experience of Bloodstock? Uh, no, no, we uh, we headlined the Sophie Tent in 2016. No, and, I mean before uh, that. Um, like, would you go no. to Panta kind of thing? Or uh, I played I played the comedy uh, tent. Uh, at Bloodstock in ooh, probably, I don't know, it might even be 2013. It was the year that Emperor headlined. Right, right. And right. Um, I came on stage in the comedy tent at the same time as Emperor went on stage <laughs> on the main stage. No way. So I was playing the Sophie tent that holds about, that at the time held about 2,000 people. And there was 15 people in there when I walked on stage. Oh. But luckily, em- about five minutes into, into Emperor's set, people started flooding into the comedy tent. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they wanted to see some proper comedy instead of their amateur comedy. <laughs> Do you know what? This, you, you might find this hard to believe, or you might not, but I played at Bloodstock in 2003. <laughs> ah, no, I don't. I, I, it was only I, like, I think it was the second year it existed. It wasn't outdoor then. It was in. It so was it was in, the assembly rooms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I played. I, well, I, yeah. And then I know. And sorry, as we finished playing, Paradise Lost were on in the other room, so it was really cool. But yeah, and all I remember about it was like backstage, it was like a massive party, and they just left bottles of Jägermeister on like every table, and you could just drink whatever you wanted. It was incredible. You probably (laughs) did. 
Well, I was a kid. I was only a kid at the time. So, do, do you want to hear my? Uh, do you want to hear my Paradise Lost story? Yes, definitely. Their first ever gig was third on the bill to us. Right. It was really? us. The first reanimator. It was. It was us. Reanim- oh well, God. we headlined. Reanimator supported. And Paradise Lost opened. Paradise Lost were fucking terrible. They played for half an hour. They played one song twice and they were fucking <laughs> awful. We loved Reanimator. We got their demo off them and got them signed to Music for Nations. Paradise Lost went on to sell more records than the two of us combined and then some. <laughs> it's crazy. Isn't so, it? uh, yeah, the Icon yeah. album. I used to love that. Quite, but quite. I still got it on CD. Yeah, I mean, they even went through that kind of strange kind of Depeche Mode kind of period, didn't they? Which I thought kind of worked in places, but it was interesting, you know. You like Depeche Mode. Yeah, that's true. You get, well, you, you've, got to do some, you've got to do something to keep it interesting or you split up. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, okay, there's, there's always exceptions to the rule. ACDC, yeah. um, the ACDC of Thrash, Slayer. Yeah. Um, you know, some people never change the formula, but... Some people are constantly changing it up because you, you know, you need to stay, um, you know, you need to stay engaged. I mean, uh, you know, uh, love them or hate them, bring the, bring me the horizon. I mean, mm-hmm. they started out as just ludicrously heavy nuts band and they're, they're unrecognizable now, but, yeah. and look at, the, and look at the journey they've been on and nearly every album's different. And, and, oh, 100%. you know, Look, you look at their catalogue, and there's something. I mean, I, I don't like the band, but I've got the album Sempaternal, which I think is fucking great. It's a great album, yeah. I, I'm a big fan. I've followed them through the like the whole career. So, but, yeah. I well, I, I've got, I've got a lot of time for them. I've got a lot of time for them, um, and also being fellow Yorkshiremen, so there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> but uh, right, okay. Next question. I'm, I'm, I'm I can't it's wait it. to see what these questions you ask everybody are. <laughs> I want to just go, I'm going to forward to our weird question, which is you can only have one song to send into space. I don't know if you ever listen to our podcast, but we ask it all the time. You can have one song sent into space for anyone that might be out there to hear. Any genre, it could even be one of your songs. It's only one. Go. <laughs> can, do, do you actually get people answering this yeah, question? Yeah, every time. Right, because... Like whenever I'm asked favorite band, favorite album, favorite song, I always say the same thing, which is what today? Yeah. Cause today I'll tell you who my favorite band are today. I'll tell you what song is and I'll tell today I'll tell you what the album is and tomorrow they'll all be different. And the day after that, they'll all be different because there's too many albums, too many bands and too many songs to choose from. It's like if, yeah, if, but- I, ta- if I, if I, if I give you a song now, I will instantly think of another five that it should have been or another 10. I, I want it... you to give us a song and I want you to regret it. So you're going <laughs> to have to, you're going to have to. That, 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 that I can get on board with. All the little um, green men and all, all these, you know, all these alien races are going to hear it and they're going to, that's going to be their introduction to whatever the fuck was going I'm, on on our planet. I am, I'm tempted. This isn't my answer yet. I am tempted to say Bohemian Rhapsody for right. the obvious reasons, which is one of the greatest songs ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what? I ain't going to get better than that. He's saying it. He's gone with it. Is that it? You're I'm the first. You're the first He's person who it. said that. Yeah. He's gone with Funny, it. I thought. I thought we would have had quite a few people say yeah, that. No one said it. That's good. You're the first. 
I, I, I yeah. mean, leg- legendary bands, legendary guitar sound, incredible musicians, the greatest singer and frontman of all time. I mean, that great scene yeah. in Wayne's World in the Murphmobile. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I just think you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest legacies, one of the biggest catalogues. It's, it's just, it's I insane. Don't like, don't stop me now, though. The song, don't like it. Gets on my nerves. Oh, I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of Queen at all. I but do I, love totally, Queen. I can totally I love appreciate Queen. that. I, 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 love I've Queen. got. I've got to be honest. I have it on good authority that Queen are not massive fans of your podcast, guys. Well, I can imagine they're probably not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But we had this. I mean, there was a group. You, you of the started, guys. Yeah, but there's no viewing figures for heaven. So you know, Freddie could be out True. there. He might listen. True. To True. We were at, we were at a party the other day and we were chatting and there was this whole big debate about who's got the best voice out of you're not even going to believe this who's got the best voice out of Freddie Mercury and George Michael. Well, that was at my party, wasn't it? It was your party. <laughs> I thought that was right. quite an interesting question. I mean, I've got my own opinion. I think it's what George Michael. Well, I thought no. I, I think George I Michael's think got Freddie the best Mercury. voice you can ever produce. The, 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 oh, the, it. I think the you can you can almost have them both. Apart from the fact that that Freddie was the all over package, because yeah. whilst George did have an incredible voice, absolutely, and he proves it on the Freddie tribute gig. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he smashes Freddie's stuff. And Liza Minnelli, Liza Minnelli at that show says something like very cool, which is, you know, how good Freddie was. Freddie was so good that most of these songs are being played at least a key lower so people can actually sing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how good he was. Not George Michael, not Lisa Stansfield, not Liza Minnelli, all did brilliant jobs. Um, But the thing with Freddie is that he not only had the voice, but he also had the frontman abilities. And also he could just fuck off and go and sing opera. And yeah. that's, 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 that's inhuman, that kind of, that kind of talent. Yeah. Um, that was, but... my, that was my argument because I'd never heard him sing opera. And literally like a month ago, my dad was playing something on his phone, just through the phone speakers. And I was like, why are you listening to opera? He went, do you know, this is singing. And I was like, well, no, some opera singer. He went, that's Freddie Mercury. And I was like, shut up. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, went and went and did a went and did a, a an opera with with one of Spain's greatest sing- mm. greatest operas, but uh, great sopranos. But by the same token, you flip it the other way and you go, well, George Michael had one of the most soulful, you know, moving voices that you know that anyone's ever had. And he wrote um, Last Christmas. Uh, well, you know, let's not hold that against him. Um, <laughs> but but also but also. The man who died a few years ago today, I can't remember exactly how many years ago today, is David Bowie. Yeah. Now, whilst David Bowie didn't, in my opinion, have the greatest voice, he had possibly the most unique voice because he's somebody who sings but sound like, sounds like he's speaking. It's bizarre. Yeah. But he's also one of the most influential musicians of all time. Of 100%. all fucking time, yeah. the whole the whole concept of having an image is just basically invented by Bowie. hundred percent. I mean, every, every album, he was a different character, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Abs- I, I mean, it's just it's 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 just crazy. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, so there's loads out there, but I, for me personally, you know, Freddie just sits up there, and so that is part of the reason 
but also the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody is is my jam in karaoke. Yes, mm. I'll go there. I'll fucking go there. <laughs> I'll go there. I'll go there. That mine is Alice Cooper's Poison. I've seen him do it many times. <gasps> yeah. Wow. I'll do it. I'll Dude. do the Cooper voice as well. Don't I, I haven't even got a karaoke song. I feel really bad. I don't you know, know what you I... sung one in Bournemouth. What did you sing? I can't remember. I think it was Queen. No, it couldn't have been Queen. Yeah. I, I don't know the words. We're going off topic, but we're not really. But I, I can't, I can't get Alice Cooper's Poison out of my head now. It's so good. Mate, it's such a good song. <laughs> Look, the album's so good, isn't it? All the songs on it, the whole album. That album is a great album. I, I went, I went to see him. I went to see him on the Constrictor tour, complete with Kane, Muscle-bound Roberts on guitar, and uh, in at Manchester Apollo. And during the day, he nipped into nipped into HMV and picked up um, Killing Technology on vinyl because it had just come out. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so yeah oh i've always been a man of eclectic tastes yeah fair play, fair play. i saw him at the hammersmith apollo alice cooper oh i don't know what year that was now went with warby he's, he's, yeah he did the whole thing the, the chopping off the head the fucking all the the smoke yeah yeah the snake come out like the lot it was wicked i was a i was a i was a huge cooper fan and and to this day welcome to my nightmare is is it for me is just an absolute work of genius it's just yeah. amazing amazing album uh, well i've heard all those albums so many times chris was a massive fan of cooper yeah again he was a great showman wasn't he and still is uh, well yes yeah, st- yeah still is st- still do it old, old vincent still rocking yeah yeah have crazy. you seen the episode have you seen the episode of man versus food with him in it no no geezer, the geezer the geezer rocks up to alice cooper's restaurant alice no. cooper owns a restaurant oh, wow. and uh, what's yeah. his name what's his name the food guy yeah is it the the original guy or the new guy yeah yeah the yeah original no. guy alan something? Yeah. No, adam. yes it is it's adam something He's adam, adam richmond adam richmond adam richmond yeah. there you go adam richmond what does he have to eat in there uh, I, c- I can't remember. <laughs> He's really putting him on the spot it's now. Yeah, no, no. It's some, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, hot wings. Um, a massive burger. A curry. I don't fucking know. Did he have ketchup? What is this, a test? What colour were the chairs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, well, the they, were, they, they, they were a lo- They were a lovely shade of fuck you. Yeah, yeah, man. No, no. <laughs> so you do your movie bollocks podcast as well. Yeah, kind of through yeah. talking bollocks, isn't it? It comes comes up yes. through that. Yeah, yeah. One time it will be talking bollocks, and then it'll be mm. movie bollocks, and he talks a lot yeah. of movies, which we we we, we love movies. So obviously we can't ask you this because today will be no, one movie, won't it? That your favourite movie of all no, time, and then tomorrow will no, be no, a different no, movie, and then there'll be I so disagree. much regret. You've got to have the top three. <laughs> favorite movies of all time you have to i and and i disagree because i think that's i think that's incredibly narrow-minded because ultimately it's like if you've got three if you've got three movies we're back we're back to i I don't listen to anything past 1989 again it's like come on you know there's 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 it's constantly changing and there's there's like movies coming and going all the time and um but there there are some staples and by the way over the last six weeks i have i have listened i've watched so many movies there's another episode of movie bollocks coming very very soon i haven't recorded it yet but i've watched so much stuff and the thing is i i have to whenever i watch a new movie or tv series i have to um i have to write it down so that that is my list at oh, the moment. Yeah, yeah. 
That is my list of movies. Debbie Does Dallas. Up. That's an old one, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, um, and, well, yeah, there you go. You've, you've beat me to my favourite movie of all time, you bastard. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> I have actually seen you, that. So have I. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, she goes uh, into the locker room and all the guys are there. <laughs> So, so, um, so is, is it is it one movie or is it three movies? Let's hear. Okay. I know my top three. Well, well, all right. What are your? Well, I mean, oh, there's so many genres, right? So, like for me, like my favorite movie of all time, like gangster film, is Goodfellas. So you know, but is that, is that my favorite film of all time? It might be, but it might not be because my favorite gangster Wars, film is Blood In, Blood Out. You probably haven't seen it. I don't think I have. I've no. Hang on, I like. Hang on, I, I, I like this. I like this favorite movie per genre, starting with um, gangsters. Uh, gangster movie would would be would also be Goodfellas. I, I'm going it's to genius, that. isn't it? Absolutely have you seen genius. Blood in Blood Out? No. Well, I haven't. See, I'm gonna. I will you've got some lockdown now. time on your hands. You can, right. you can. You can look that one up. Yeah, I will. Good. I will. It's good. It's good. I, 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 look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch any movie that X just nicked an album title off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like uh, they're like Hispanic sort of gangsters, and then don't give it all away. Well, no, I'm not. Gonna no, yeah, don't, no, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Right. I, I but seriously, if there's, if I hear, if I hear a, um, if I hear the premise of a movie that I like, I will then go out of my way to avoid trailers, snippets, reviews, you name it. I mean, I, it does my brain in when everyone goes, oh, the new so-and-so trailer's out. Fuck off. I'm going to see the movie yeah. anyway. I don't want to see eight scenes from the film with no narrative three I mean, months beforehand. You know, I just, to, I'm going to go see it. You'd have to tune into the acting a bit because it's a bit, you'll see what I mean. That's all yeah, there is. To but, it's, but, it's, but it's an epically long, wicked gangster film. Oh, yeah. right. The twists okay. and turns oh, in no, it are no. wicked. Hey, look, look, I'm a big, I'm a big, I've watched all the Narcos, I've watched all Narcos Mexico, of which massive chunks are in Spanish subtitles. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, right, so, so favorite, favorite heist movie. Mine would be Heat. Oh, yeah, it goes on a bit, but I love that gun scene. I really like, uh, I, uh, oh, 15 I minute gun scene. Say, I don't know if I'm going to say something bad here, but I really like the Ocean films. I thought they were brilliant. Oh, yeah. I love oh, Dude, I, I, Ocean's Eleven, I, I, that movie, the minute it opens, the, the, the great trick of that movie is it puts you, it drops you into putting the, putting the crew together. Yeah. And how, so, so right from the get go, as the viewer, you are in on putting the job together yeah. on who's who, on carrying it out. It's so well done. It's so well put together. George Clooney is so fucking watchable no, he is, and he so, is. and so likable. Brad Pitt is, you know, you eating. Just want to be him, don't you? Yeah. Brad, <laughs> Brad Pitt is eating in every scene because Brad Pitt always brings, well, Brad Pitt always brings something to the role. It's like, it's yeah. like true romance where he's, where he's the stoner on the couch. Yeah. That, that wasn't written as a stoner. He was just supposed to be a flatmate. Yeah. But Brad Pitt turns up and goes, I want to play him as a stoner. And all of a sudden, Brad Pitt is in, a, is in like three scenes and steals nearly the entire movie yeah. out from everybody because he decides to play it as a stoner. But that's the genius. And they're listening to um, Soundgarden's Outshined whilst he's doing the bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so awesome. it's, all, it's, it's all quality. It's all part um, of it. Look, I'm, it? I'm, the, the amount of movies in my head that, that I love are like rattling around. So From Dust Till Dawn, 
that's yeah, that classic. is one of my one of my faves um I was... an, uh, an all-time favorite an all-time favorite which i have recommended on the uh, on the podcast and usually once in a while i'll get a message from somebody saying thanks for recommending this it's a really good film but i can never watch it again and um you know i watched it with somebody who like broke down at the end of it and okay. that's and that's dead man's shoes no, um it's it's for me it's possibly the greatest british movie ever made okay. um it's paddy considine at his absolute best it's co-written by him and shane meadows it is it's one of those movies that you watch and everyone in it you think are they an actor or or is or, or, or did they have they just picked somebody off the street it's inc- it's so brilliantly cast mm. it is so brutal and and it, it's it's it is pretty disturbing and um uh, a girl i know um i introduced her to the movie um recently the last time i watched it which was about three weeks three weeks ago um in um and i nearly said to her at the start of the film look just to give you a heads up this this could be a bit of a a, a rough ride um because i know that some issues in the film or might be sort of touch on things that have happened in her life mm. and then i thought and then i thought that's really that's really patronizing of you howard because like given the things she's been through in her life and she's got through that's that's pretty patronizing so i kept it to myself and as soon as the credits started rolling she absolutely lost it and just crumbled into a mass of tears um totally understandably so did i um and i've seen that film god knows how many times and i see something in it every mm. time that i haven't that i haven't seen before um and it just dead man's shoes it's it is it's not a fun watch no, but i don't i don't like films like that howard I just, they were nice, no i'll check it out, I'll check it out. well put it this way it, put it this way i would uh, i would describe it and this is a brilliant description that somebody put in is it's like a British version of first blood. Okay. And we'll do that first blood. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> You're going to have to watch it all yeah. the time when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah but I Don't push it, me. Yeah. It's, it's less, it's less, it's less action movie than first blood. But having said that, that's one of the things I love about first blood is the fact that it is even now you watch it and you think that film is not made for it's not it's not an action film it's not it's not made the way it would be made now it's made as a a a gritty kind of almost realistic apart from you know ridiculous stunts and stuff like that other than that it's actually fucking gritty and realistic in the tale of you know a vietnam vet who just doesn't fit in anymore and and you know getting full-on images of him hiding in that tree and coming past yeah, oh. he's all like in the, in the tree, and he just fucking grabs him. Yeah, I was yeah. watching it's... that when I was a kid, mate. This is what I, I'm talking <laughs> about this on my on my podcast before. Like my auntie used to have, own a video shop, and we she used to bring home any film, and we just used to watch them. Like I said this to to Roy last time, didn't I? That I was watching the Aliens when I was 11. I was seriously disturbed by that <laughs> shit. I had nightmares yeah. about them aliens. You've never got years, over it. mate. 
Right. But first, first, uh, first, first Blood is one of those films. First Blood is one of those films that even now, you know, it'd be like half 10, 11 at night and you go through the channels. Oh, First Blood's on. Remote control gets dropped. Yeah. yeah. At whatever point it is in the movie, you're going to watch it till the end. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's just one of those things. So your favourite comedy film? Let's go. That's oh. got to be hard, isn't it? I mean, come on. Right, yeah, that is very, very hard. I'm going to jump in there first, and I'm going Go to say on. mine because we're kind of we're kind of forcing our opinions on you as well. Like it's not That's just right. you. It's not just you. We're going like round in the it's usually, you know, freeway it's thing usually, now. It's usually me doing that to other people, so I'm fine with them. <laughs> I've, I've got it's, to about, say, it's about I time think, I got some of my own medicine. <laughs> I think it's Anchorman. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? Anchorman. I think it I is. Love I think it's, yeah, <laughs> I love Lamp. Yeah. Hey, Brick, uh, Brick, I think uh, I think you might have killed a guy. You better leave town. <laughs> um, just genius. I struggle with a Brick yeah. character in it, though. The oh, Steve Carell character oh, in that. so good. I don't find it funny. Everyone else in it I find funny, but not I t- him. I tell you what, I tell you Is what, me and you are off to the movies and fucking leaving him at home. I'm afraid to say what Let's I hear think. it. Your favourite no, comedy film. It. Come on, let's hear it. Oh, you've really put me on the spot on my own no, podcast you, you put yourself on the <laughs> spot. <laughs> uh, favourite comedy. The Cannibal Run. Watched it best, about a best. thousand times when I was a kid. Best best credits ever. It's just so good. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that, that, that's, that's a good it. shout. That's, it's that's it's okay. also... It, it, it's also a it's a moment frozen in time as well of that of yeah. that era of, of of Hollywood and 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 our childhood as well. It's just it's got so many memories attached to it. Mm. Mine mine is actually mine is actually a fairly um, recent movie. It's a Netflix comedy called The Fundamentals of Caring, starring um, Paul Rudd. Um, who you know, doubt I'm almost certainly you're about to say. Oh, I don't like Paul Rudd. No, no. I do. I do. <laughs> I do. He's, he's actually Steve Carell. I can't deal with. Is he Ant Man, Paul Rudd? Is he Ant Man? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like him. He's a good actor. Is he, he's in Anchorman. Yeah, he's in Anchorman. Yeah, and that, yeah, that yeah. film. Um, we are thirty or something. This is this is thirty. Is it? Yeah, something His like wife, that. Yeah, that's really good as well. Well, I, the fundamentals of caring, which is which is uh, a Netflix movie. If you've got Netflix, check it out. If you haven't watched it already, got Netflix. Yeah, they give it away free and cornflakes, don't they? <laughs> well, the re- the reason I the reason I love it so much is it is a comedy movie that is only interested in being funny. Yeah, and it's 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 start and the thing is all the way through the movie, it is gag gag gag. We're yeah. so sorry. Howard Smith. <laughs> Welcome to Facing the Crowd, part two. Hey. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. We're having some... Edit, edit this together, you poor bastards. Oh, That's why I said to him, this is going to be epic editing this together. <laughs> we'll, we'll get for it. We'll get for it. it I feel good. your pain. We're going to have to fit Acid Rain songs in between and merge them in and <laughs> yeah. fade them in and fade them out. 
Yeah, it's going to be challenging. And I do it's mean that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> let, let's, let's move on to your blockbuster film of all time. Just because we went down this film route. Oh, yeah. Um, fucking hell, that's a tough one. Um, oh, blockbuster. God, um, I guess it, I guess, I, I guess it kind of, I, I don't know. It's not a genre, is it? So it's kind of like, no, it could be anything. Yeah. It, it's like anything, you know, what's your famous, most successful film of all time, you know, yeah. of the, of the biggies. the biggies and no, nothing, nothing is springing to mind guys. Nothing is like leaping to the, to the forefront of my mind. So have you got some, and maybe that'll trigger something in my head. I have, and it is Jurassic Park. Oh, I was going to say Jurassic Park. <laughs> again, oh, I love Jurassic Park, and I love all the Jurassic Park films, even if they get slightly worse each time. It doesn't matter. I still yeah. love them. I love Jurassic World, actually. Oh, I loved I loved the reboot. I loved Jurassic World. Really yeah. did. Jurassic World 2 was a bit weird with the, with the dinosaur creeps into the girl's bedroom, and she's, like, petrified on the bed. It was a borderline horror film, that, wasn't it? Yeah, in places, yeah, I suppose. But, yeah, yeah the, the Lost World was good. The number three with a pterodactyl cage. Yeah, was I right. fucking love them all. Yeah, they're all good. They're all good. But the first one, nothing better than the first one. No. It, it's just mint from start to finish, that film. Again, like you said, it's when you're flicking through and you see it, you always put it on, don't you? It's, it's just <laughs> automatic. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to give you my um uh my geekery story about Jurassic Park. You know the favorite. You know the famous scene with the cup of water that yeah. is vibrating. Yeah. How they how they did that was it's it's that that cup is on a is on a um, dashboard in a car or a yeah. cup holder in a car, and underneath the surface that that cup is on, they, um, uh, they, um, uh, oh, what's the word? They fitted a guitar string underneath and it's a guy, a guy lying underneath hitting the string that makes the water vibrate. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. That is an awesome, awesome Jurassic Park fact. That is. (laughs) It really is. Do you know what? That is my favourite Jurassic Park fact that I've heard today. (laughs) That is is geek fact, but I was told it by another musician because it was a bass player and he was saying, and it was a bass string that they used. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why the film cost so much fucking money to to make because they used a bass string and not a guitar string. Yeah, it's the reason reason it it took so long to make is because it was a bass player, so it just took a while for them to actually get it right. Um, I'm only joking. It's so true. I'm only only joking. Bass players usually, you know, usually lay their stuff down really quick. I mean, how could you not when you've got, when you're two strings short? You know, fucking hell. Mate, we always have have a laugh and a joke with with my bass player because, like, he's, he's brilliant, but he just never, he never remembers our songs and we're like... Is it going to take you like another fucking eight years to remember this one? <laughs> we rip him all the time. I'm looking at his there's bass a, now. It's got the preamp. There's always a, there's always one there's always one band member who who, who struggles remember remembering songs. Or yeah. I I I mean I I um I forget lyrics, but um I mean I always wondered why, and and it, and I think it's got a lot to do with with my ADHD, um because there's absolutely no reason for me to not 
you know, not remember the lyrics. I remember all the lyrics all the time, but there'll, there'll always be something that I'll go to and it's just gone. And sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm on stage and, um, you know, I know I'm, I know I'm coming in any second and I haven't got a fucking clue what the next line is. And I just have to hold the mic up to my mouth and hope it comes out. It's <laughs> really? Been... I suppose a lot of the time, like, um, cause you've done it so much, it's kind of like muscle memory, right? Like, I'll be the same. Like I'll be, I'll be like waiting to like, I'll be, I'll be thinking, right. I know there's a riff change, but I've got no fucking idea what, what it is, but then I just play it. <laughs> but in my head, I'm overthinking well, it. But sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I mean, there's, there was one time that um, we were playing, we were playing Motherly Love and it was the, and it was the third verse. And I, I was singing the second verse lyrics again and all, and, and like, you know, Paul starts sort of coming, playing the guitar, sort of looking at me and then Cookie comes round, and then Pete comes around. And I think, why are they, why are they all looking at me? And, and the thing is that the, in, in the last verse, it's, um, it, it, it stops for, you know, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, evil tricks, you know, yes, yes, yes. And it got to that stop and it wasn't until that stop and I wasn't singing the right words that I realized, oh, I've fucked up completely here. <laughs> but I, I had absolutely no idea. It's, it's, it's bizarre, but, um, brilliant. You bought yourself yeah. a bit of time there, H, to think about ah, the movie. <laughs> well done. Um, Where can you go off the Jurassic Park? I don't even know why I really want to know this. It's not on our question list. But I, I tell you what, I watched, I, watched, um, I, watched, I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, last night. And I really oh, I enjoyed it. it. Oh, I, I want to see that. that. Yeah. Is it good? Really enjoyed it. Oh, really thank enjoyed God, it's good. Really enjoyed it. Um, but, um, yeah, uh Maybe, oh, good Lord, because it sparked a load of not as good films and including others in the series, but was absolutely groundbreaking and mind blowing. And I got to go on set for the second one, uh, The Matrix. Oh, cool. The Matrix is out this world, isn't it? Yeah, and it was never meant to be a trilogy. I've got all the bullshit on the Matrix because I was literally I I sat in Lawrence Fishburne's trailer and shot the shit with him on the set of Matrix Reloaded. Mm. And um, wow, that's it, unreal! It, how did how did oh, you do that? How did that uh, come well, I, about? Um, well, I, as as you may know, I, I I've been a comedian for twenty five years, and I spent a long time um, working with a couple of other writers on radio shows and bits of TV here and there. And um, and one of them, his wife, was Lawrence Fishburne's makeup artist on all three of the original Matrix movies. And um, uh, I got to, they were out in San Francisco on the second one. And um, uh, I'd always wanted, always wanted to go to the States. They were like, come out, come out and, you know, stay with us. And also because my mate was effectively just hanging out, not doing much all day while his wife was on set. So it was like, you know, it, it, you know, it'd be company for him as well. Um, and then, um, and then got to go on, uh, got to go on, uh, on set one day. I got to, <laughs> I got to, um, I got to have a, a, a lovely conversation with Carrie Ann Moss while she was stood, while she was in full Trinity gear. Nice. Which, which was, it's very difficult to hold eye contact in a situation. <laughs> um, and, and, and luckily everything wipes off that suit. Um, <laughs> and, um, 
<laughs> and um, Keanu Reeves was over in the corner, sat in his paddling pool. He used to go between takes, sits in a paddling pool of ice to reduce the swelling in his legs okay. and his arms. Um, and um, uh, and got to go into Lawrence's trailer and uh, and and introduce him, meet him, and um, and and I, I got a really big Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> out of him, and he was like, oh, "You English guys, you're so funny. All of you are so fucking funny." Um, and um, uh, and it was really cool as well because it was being filmed in a, in um uh in a um, hangar on an old naval base in Alameda. And um, because it's an old naval base and there's still um, uh, there's still a naval village. So it's an inactive base, but it's still a naval village where naval families live. So there's a local bus that comes on to the base and drives around the base and picks people up. And there's bus stops. And the the secret title of Matrix Reloaded was the Burly Man, obviously from the Burly Man brawl, the scene in the middle of it. And um, on the back of Lawrence Fishburne's uh, trailer door is a bus timetable. And the bus timetable are the times he's not allowed out of his trailer because he's dressed as Morpheus. Yeah. And he can't, like, walk out of his trailer <laughs> and there's people on the bus going by and going, that's Morpheus. What the <laughs> fuck's going on? Oh, he must have I'm in it. the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, we, um, uh, we, you wouldn't had, be able um, to help yourself, would you? I'd be just coming out that bus stand, the bus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, so it was, um, it, it, it was a trip. It was a trip. And, uh, and, you know, you know, I, mean, I guess everybody knows this, but the matrix is never a trilogy. You know, they, they, the Wachowskis put absolutely every idea they'd ever had into one movie. And it was such a massive hit that, that the, um, uh, the production company just, you know, the, the studio demanded two more films. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was never a trilogy, despite the fact that, you know, you, if you, you see all the press at the time, it's like, well, it was always a trilogy, you know, obviously the first movie was just the beginning of the tale. And it's like, no, there was a very clear ending. Um, that is, uh, but, um, what about the yeah, new one? Yeah. Have you seen the new one? I was going to go and see it and someone said it was a bit, I watched it three or four days ago. I watched it three or four days ago, and there is some amazing talking in it. <laughs> but um, uh, there is, there's, there, I mean, there's there, there's some great action in it as well. But um, it, 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 if you thought the third Matrix movie started disappearing up its ass, well, in this one you can only see the feet because the rest <laughs> of it is up its own ass. Oh, um, quality, well done. And um, so, yeah. <laughs> It, it, yeah it was it, i i found by the I'm end not of the even movie, worth watching oh uh, definitely worth watching but i found towards the end of the movie i didn't really give a shit what happened you know as long as something happens and it finishes hobo you haven't said your blockbuster we've he's this is matrix mine's jurassic no mine was jurassic park as well no bollocks come no, on no, all no, the, no. there's so many movies oh, in the world you can't have the same no. one as me fella die hard or is that a christmas film no no, no no good call good can call. i have die hard die hard yes yeah, some absolutely. people say it's a christmas film no it's, it's, it is you can have it that. Is. It's it's a Christmas film. It's definitely a Christmas film. I mean, as a as a friend of mine, a fellow comedian, pointed out the other day, just watched it again. It's a Christmas film. It's set at Christmas. Yeah. He turns he turns up with a Christmas present. Yeah. There's a party, 
everybody argues and everybody starts killing each other. It's yeah. Christmas. It's typical Christmas. This it, is right? what Christmas is all about. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Oh, that's probably but, one of my favorite Christmas film. We do talk about uh, Christmas films a lot on this podcast. If, if, both if, do if, the cancer bats. If, and... if, 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 if either one of you says elf, I am leaving now. No, National Lampoon's <laughs> Christmas Vacation. Uh, yeah. Mm. In, in it. Every year we watch it about twelve times. Don't you like Elf? Don't you like Elf then? Uh, going down this road. No, no, like it, 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 it's 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 all right. It's all right, but it's more of a kids' film than a Christmas film. Um, I, I just like I'm not a massive fan of um, slapstick. Never have been. Never will be. Um, so it's yeah, it's like it's one like me with Steve Carell. Same sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, okay, uh, each to yeah. Their own, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. <clears throat> What's your favourite conspiracy theory, H? None of them, they're all shit. And so are people who fucking believe in them. <laughs> there is some good ones, though. No, I don't believe them, but I, I do like the idea behind them, like the Beatles one and stuff like that. Oh, no, not again. But it's quite interesting. I mean, obviously, I don't believe it for a second, but, you know, there's been so, people have done so much research into these things, haven't they? And it's all bollocks. Oh, oh yeah, or not? That's that's yeah. that's that's, the, that's, the, that's how a conspiracy theory uh, starts. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's it's somebody makes something up and goes, yeah, that's that's that that that's what happened, you yeah. know, yeah. and um, based on no evidence whatsoever. Because <laughs> usually, most conspiracy theories like just don't just don't hold up. You fact check them, you look at the science or the history or whatever, and you and you can debunk them, but people who purport conspiracy theories and believe in them, whenever you question them, they'll throw the toys out of the pram. It's cognitive, it's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. If, if you, if you know, if, if you know people who spout a lot of conspiracy theories, you will notice that there's a per- certain personality type that peddles conspiracy theories. And it's people who like to have people who like to have something special to say, a secret, and that you don't know that makes them feel good about themselves, mm. makes them feel like they've got one over on everybody. And, and you know, that's, and that's why they overinvest in their opinion and get all fucking fighty when you question them on it. And when you show them facts that literally disprove their theory, then it's tantrum time. And, you know, it's, yeah, I just, I, I refuse to engage anymore because it's just like, you know, with COVID and everything else, and and Trump in the White House that just fucking put conspiracy theories into the into the mainstream, and you know, and you've now you've now got people at QAnon mixing bleach for each other because <laughs> that's a COVID cure. Yeah. And 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 I, funnily enough, I I posted on my Keith Platt my Keith Platt Facebook page, which is my comedy character. The more conspiracy theory and theorists I hear, the more I believe in Charles Darwin's theory of evolution and natural selection. Um, you know, if you think if you think bleach is the cure for COVID, please don't be shy. Drink the whole bottle. <laughs> <So it's... laughs> please clear some of the trash out. Yeah, nice. Um, Very true. Uh, nine nine eleven was detonated through the middle. All the explosives detonated. Oh, can, it, can I can I just well, funnily enough, nine eleven again, right? Somebody so many nine eleven ones. Somebody recently said to me, "But you can see you you look on YouTube and you can see there's there that the, you know there's there's stuff dripping through the you know there was there was fuel already in the building because you can see that 
like you know there's fuel dripping and stuff like that and it's like yeah have you ever actually looked into the science of that because you still on youtube where conspiracy theories go to live um <laughs> you can watch a whole program on that is because the temperature got so hot the plane melted that's mm. melting aluminium that you can see you fucking knob mm. it's 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 just it's there it's there they've got the it's you know oh no not good enough for those people though and there was one there's what there's one i don't know if you've seen this one the the tower i think it's tower nine or something it's another little tower next to it that the bbc were reporting that tower nine had collapsed and it wasn't and then and then and and, and tower nine was in the background while she was reporting it almost like it was a script (laughs) but tower nine was in the background the bbc reported it at this time but, but all and, that is, and then later on it collapsed, even though it hadn't been hit. And but that's, that's a, but that's a, but that's a whole that's a whole conspiracy theory out of one newscaster saying one word wrong. Yeah, getting one number wrong. Now you will have thousands of people around the world that that will use that. And by the way, they'll use that clip as evidence of a whole theory. Or it could like have they, been a broadcasting like delay. At the end of the day, it's the BBC in England and America. It could have been just a little broadcasting delay, couldn't it? But it's yeah. a conspiracy theory now. Yeah. Yeah. It's there, it's mate. Like... It's Tower 9. <laughs> have you seen that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, so, yeah, no, I, 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 don't, I don't have any favourite conspiracy theories at all. But we still spoke about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And trotted out a load of, uh, trotted out a load a of, load of nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it. Oh, I absolutely love it. Um, we, didn't, we didn't ask you what your first gig you ever played was. We asked everyone that as well. The first oh. time you, you got on stage and played a gig. Um, but, that you know, was music. That, that was Harrogate Lounge Hall supporting New Soms, a local band. Um, and it was, um, December 1987, 87, um, no, 86, December 1986. And our first album came out in, no, our first album came out in 88. So it would have been, uh, December 87, just after I went to see Christmas on earth at, um, Leeds Queens Hall, which was like, you know, Megadeth, Cro-Mags, all that lot. Um, and then we played our first. So we'd actually, we'd actually recorded, we'd recorded the Moschenstein demo. We recorded the, then signed a record deal, recorded the Moschenstein mini album, signed a management deal, and then played our first ever gig. Nice, nice. Mad. Did, how were, how were the nerves like the first time you did it? How many people were there as well? I've never, I've never been nervous for any show ever. I just mm. want to get out there and do it. If I would, if I got nervous, I wouldn't do any of what I do because right. I, right. I, I look at other people and sometimes how nervous they get. And I just think, just do something else. Like, yeah. you just like, why would you put yourself through it? I, I cannot wait to get on the stage. Every night, if I've got a show, whether it's comedy, if I'm if I'm headlining a comedy show, and there's there's two other com- comedians on the bill, I'm I watch their set, and I'm the whole time I'm just looking at my watch, thinking, just fucking just get off, you know? It's <laughs> like it's like like time can't pass quick enough because I because the minute I walk in the building, the adrenaline starts going, and I want to be on stage, mm. and and I, I can't wait to get up there. 
That's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's your passion for it. It's 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 where it's where I want to be. It's where I want to be. It's where I'm at my happiest. It's where I. It, it's probably where I am most comfortable. It's it's where I feel like I'm meant to be. It's where I do my best work, um, most enjoyable. And um, you know, I'm I'm 51. I'm single. I don't have any kids. Um, my kids are, you know, the band, the albums, the gigs, the podcast, the comedy shows, um, the spoken word shows. I put all of my time and effort into all of these things because I'm not leaving any kids behind when I die. When I die, I'm leaving music and podcasts and and live shows and memories behind. So some of my friends, you know, are like, I don't know how you fucking do it. You know, you're here, you're there, you're, you're, you're driving over there, you're doing this. You're... It's like, well, no, no, no wife, no kids. So, yeah. you know, i taken up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've got to be productive with that time. You know, I, it'd be pretty miserable existence if I didn't do any of what I did and, and, uh, and, and I still wasn't, you know, wasn't in a relationship and didn't have any kids. I would be, you know, I'd have probably taught myself by now. Um, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it's everything I do. And, um, and, and funnily enough, that's why, um, I was talking to Mark DeVito, um, in, um, one of my podcasts recently, who is, um, works a lot, well, used to, and does now again, works with Metallica on artwork and stuff like that. We I've heard all three about- of them podcasts. Oh, cool. Cool. No, I loved it. Oh, yeah. great. What an insight into Metallica and the fresh scene. And what, what, what a guy. In the Bay Area. What, what, what a lovely guy. And, and as, as I said to him as well, it's like, you know, he keeps apologizing for go on, going on. And, it's like, and I was like, no, no, no. He's like, stuff you think that's irrelevant and boring, I find absolutely fascinating. I can guarantee you, so will the listeners. Because you were there, you don't think it's interesting. We weren't. It is, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and and we were, t- and I was saying about I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast actually or whether it was off off mic, but um, when I when I was watching, uh, I remember watching um, some kind of monster the first time, and Jason when Jason says like ev- you know everybody wants to have a break and and spend time with their families. Well, I don't have a family. I'm I'm a musician, and I put all of my um, time and effort into being a musician. So if you guys want to take a break and be with your families, that's fine. But my family is playing music and you're saying that I can't play music whilst you take them off with your family. Well, that's, that's not fair because that's, that's my, that's like saying I'm not allowed to see my family. And mm. I totally identified with that. So he has oh. to not, he basically has to not exist until they're ready to exist again. Yeah, yeah, and it was and it was it was all about it was all about insecurities with within within the band, wasn't it? Particularly, you know, particularly Hatfield. Mm. Um, but so I so I yeah I always identify with that and and um, uh, and yeah, you know, it, it's 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 what I do, and um, and that you know, lockdown sucked the fucking joy out of life for everybody, and 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 I was no different. Um, the thing is that you know. I lost my job. I lost my job. Like a lot of people lost their jobs and as in you weren't able to work, but my work is also my social life. It's my existence. So it's like everything went. And your hobby too, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. And, 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 and I live on my own. So, you know, I turned 50 in lockdown in my flat on my own. 
And, you know, it's like, oh, fucking hell, this isn't much fun. <laughs> um, so, so it, you know, it's, it was just great to get back out there and, um, and, and get back, you know, doing what I love. And, um, yeah, I mean, I love it. I love every aspect of it. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, I just can't get enough. Just can't get enough. Yeah. Awesome, yeah, man. That's so cool, man. That's what it's about, isn't it? Like, everyone's got a different path, haven't they, at the end of the day? And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to live it. To but I don't, I don't think, I don't think people, there seems to be a cloud over, over everyone, doesn't there? Well, I, I keep, I keep reading about, you know, people saying, oh, you know, well, yeah. When COVID's gone, well, the last pandemic was 103 years ago, and that was something called flu. Where's that gone? Yeah, exactly. That. We, yeah, we've, we have, we've got to learn to live with it. I mean, that's, that's yeah. it's the only way to yeah. deal with it, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Just going to have to crack on people with it. People will die. People will and it, and, and it, turns out, it turns out people in bands probably aren't the best people to listen to, because <laughs> about, about a week before Omicron appeared, you had, you had Ian Gillan saying, well... I think this pandemic's just about over now and that COVID's just going to fade away over winter, which at the time I thought was amazing because it's like, well, no virus has ever died in the winter. In the winter, yeah. For start, yeah. <laughs> and literally, literally within days, Omicron appeared. Yeah, yeah. Like, every time, Every time someone says Omicron, I just think of the Transformers. Oh, and, I do as well. Yes. I think it's that big Transformer yeah. where all five of them connect to him. Was that his name? I'm sure it was Omicron. Right. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I, I, I definitely have no clue. <laughs> oh, oh, hang on, hang on. My action film, the first Transformers film. Oh, it was wicked. It's got Megan Fox in it running about in slow motion, and it's got massive fucking giant robots taking over the world. It's a Michael Bay movie. That's exactly why it's shit. It's an action movie. Michael Bay is ogling Megan Fox's ass in it. It's supposed to be for kids. It's fucking shit. I went to see it at the cinema. Halfway through, I was bored out of my brain. And oh, yeah. as for the action scenes, as for the action scenes, you can't see what's hitting what. It's just a fucking blur of bank crash, wallop. Oh, the end. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, well, well, that well, certainly was a review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That told you. Yeah, you, you now must have my opinion because your opinion is wrong. <laughs> You're not allowed to enjoy that film anymore. <laughs> can, can I go back to Jurassic Park? <laughs> All right, I'll, yeah, I'll even, I'll even pay your entrance fee. <laughs> you have to be, you have to be this tall to ride a raptor. <laughs> oh, mate, right, well. Howard, we'll we'll let you go because we're uh, we just keep banging on about nonsense to you. <laughs> but you, you have been superb. Been You've been absolutely superb. Oh, it's been good fun, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. We got we've we've got Pleasure. um your man Dane Campbell from you. You had Dane on the motorcast. Oh you? yeah, oh, Dane's a lovely guy. Yeah, he's going to come on and talk to us. So that's wicked. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a, he's a lovely guy. Say hello for me. Um, we had, we had, we had a, we had a really, really good chat. You, you, you two all get on great. He's, he's, uh, he's got a, he's got a really professional, beautiful studio set up for you as well. Unlike me with my blurred wall background at my mum's house whilst I'm home <laughs> at Christmas isolating like a fucking uh, bastard. Nah, so good. So good, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, cool. Thank, thanks so much, mate. We'll, um, 
talking text. Yeah, yeah. We'll um, yeah, we'll absolutely. This, we'll get this I, edited. And send, we'll get it edited. Send you a link, and we're probably looking at about twenty twenty five for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. No take worries. Take a while to put this one together. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it out on we'll put it out on New Year on, on New Year twenty four twenty five. Yeah, no, no, we'll, no we'll just title it um, H's review of Transformers by Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, he did that. He did that battleships film, didn't he, with Rihanna in it? Oh, come on! As if I'm going to watch that. Well, I've seen any, it. Any, any, any film, any film that is just big, bang, crashy, looks good, but is ultimately shit. Michael Bay will have will have his finger, his fucking little fucking gooey fingerprints will be all over <laughs> it somewhere. He'll be even something he's not directed or written. If it's shit, you'll see him in the credits. He'll be executive producer on it or something. What about Lord of the Rings? You like Lord of the Rings films? I weren't Michael Bay. No, no, but I'm just, I, I'm just, I just love asking H what he thinks oh, of things. Oh yeah, so what's, your, what's your favourite sci-fi? No, love Lord, love Lord of the Rings. I've got all three yes. movies. The extend, the extend, he likes the rings. The extended Blu-ray editions. They are the only ones to watch. Full on, full on geekery. That's although like fifty I, hours or something ridiculous. Oh, I love them editions. I bloody love those films. Totally, totally worth it. But uh, but unfortunately, the Hobbit films are shit. Right. They're, I don't think I've seen a little them, bit really. slow, wouldn't they? First film. First film. Two songs and they haven't left the house. Yeah, oh, that, I didn't understand why they were <laughs> fucking singing so much in that house. It was giving me the arsehole. I know. It's like you've, you've watched you've watched the you've watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You've waited years. You get the first Hobbit movie and you're still in that bloody house. And they've sung two songs. And I'm thinking, he's gone for a musical. What the uh, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you were sitting there thinking Michael Bay had something to do with this. You were waiting for his name to come up in the credits, weren't you? It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Say what was really. None of the female, none of the female hobbits were bending over we- wearing thongs. Oh. So uh, no, Michael Bay was nothing to do with it. I'll tell you oh. what was really shit. Even though we've we've let you go, but we're not letting you go. <laughs> right. That you know the new Star Wars films. The there's three more new ones now. Yeah, yeah. Not not Phantom Menace ones. The one the, the newest yeah. ones. The yeah. second one of that. The, Force, the, 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 the second the Force, Awakens. Force Awakens. I liked. But the second Sorry. one of that, what was it called? Uh, the la- um, the Last Jedi. Oh, yeah, I love that. I thought that was fantastic, mate. I, when I, the silver little silver foxes show them. I out do. Of, no, I, like I, the I, whole I, the whole rebellion escapes from, from from silver foxes down a cave. And fuck off. I, I actually I actually liked the second one more than I liked the third one, which really really got on my tits. Yeah, um, the third one, I was just like, oh, I'm so over this now. And I loved Star Wars when I was a kid. But, I loved the first three films immensely. But the real, the, the real shame, the real shame of that most recent Star Wars shame. film is that, well, you know, the real shame about it is the fact that it could have been amazing. But what Disney decided to do, and this is insane, right? You look at how the, the, the other six Star Wars movies were, were made and written and as crap as the, the the next three were you know including um the 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 third of them where you know you see you see anakin skywalker become darth vader in like two minutes where he just goes like no 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 you'll get to see your girlfriend again oh fuck it dark side let's go <laughs> um and um yeah we've been waiting on our lives for that scene it was just like, yeah, what a and, yeah it's just like it's just like it's so easy 
But you've got those six films that were made by George Lucas. They were written by George Lucas. And guess what? They were all, you know, there was a trilogy written. Then there was the prequel trilogy written. And then Disney took it over, wrote one film and went, let's see how this goes down. What social media, see how it all see. And and then let's decide what we're going to do next. They didn't write a new trilogy. They didn't find a visionary to write three films and to helm three films. They went, just knock one out and let's make a shitload of money. You're, and then... you're, you're laughing because he said, let's knock one out. <laughs> I yeah. knew you were. Yeah. I know. Apologies. I know. Apologies, I know. Apologies for his humour. That, that, well, no, no, that's all right. I was, I was going past it until you drew attention to it. Um, <laughs> but um, but, they, but that, they, they wrote one film. And when because uh, because it's Disney and because it's not and it's not an auteur, it's not it's not, um, you know, George Lucas who's making it and doesn't answer to anybody. He just makes the movies and everyone goes, this is going to make a shit ton of money. And it does. But it's now Disney. So every moving part has to be ticked off. And So they make one movie and they've got no idea what yeah. the next two are going to be. And That's after the fucking insane. False Awakens was all right. Yeah. But the, the two after that are so fluffy. Do you know what I mean? By well, fluffy, it's Disney, isn't it? I mean, you it's have these fluffy. Just everyone in it so fluffy. It's like you, I can't, well, I couldn't get my head round how fluffy they were. It's like there's an there's there's an imperial empire there trying to kill you, and you're just so fucking fluffy. Well, I've I've just watched, I've just watched. I was, both I'm series. still not over it. Well, I've just watched both series of The Mandalorian again, and I'm and I'm up to date with the first two I've episodes. Seen all of them. The book, the book of Boba Fett. How are you and finding Boba Fett? I haven't I'm, seen I'm it yet. It. I haven't I'm seen it yet. yet. Look, uh, The Mandalorian and Boba Fett are basically better than the last three Star Wars films. Yeah, The Mandalorian was better than them Star Wars films. Can I just I say? Mean, one I haven't thing. had time to start Boba Fett. Let me yet. say one thing. Why is Boba Fett so nice? Why is he like helping people? Oh, he's not fluffy, is he? Why is he fluffy? He's not supposed to be fluffy. I might not watch it now. He said he's fluffy. But this is, this is, but this, this is, this is his story. You know, this is his story. He worked, he he was, he was a bounty hunter. He he was left for dead in a, you know, the Sarlacc pit. Um, and he managed, and he managed to get out and it, it changed his life. Because he's just like, oh fuck this for a game of soldiers, and um, yeah, but he's still he's, he's he's like taking over like Jabba's palace, and he's like still trying to like be a bit of a bastard. Spoiler alert! But at the same time, he's being a nice guy. I don't I don't understand. Well, he was yeah, but no, the thing Jabba is, he no was, bargain. But we but we don't we don't know what he was like before that. But what we do know is that it was that he was a bounty hunter, so it was never personal. He could have been a nice guy and a bounty hunter. Yeah, I suppose I never thought of it like that, really. Yeah, it's just business. <laughs> it's just a job. Fluffy old boba. Oh, it's good, though. I'm loving it. And Mandalorian was great as well. You're big into your sci-fi, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love love anything, you know, sci-fi. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And I, and I didn't, I didn't realise I was a horror fan until I started listening to... Um, uh paul waller's a year in horror podcast and then and then i realized that i am actually a fan of horror films i also didn't realize i was a, such a massive nick cage fan until i realized that nearly every nick cage film that he that, that he mentions think, yeah i've seen that yeah i've watched it. oh yeah i've got that yeah <laughs> it's like oh right yeah i'm a nick cage fan wow <laughs> yeah. um but yeah yeah and i, and I, I, I love air. anything uh, on yeah. air. it's a classic yeah. It ridiculous was, it was. when they land that plane on the Vegas Strip at the end of Con Air, though, isn't it? 
it's 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 of it's of its time, isn't it? Of its time, hundred percent. Yeah, I like yeah. it. We like we like a bit of sci-fi. Don't we? I love sci-fi. Did, yeah. did you like um, Red Dwarf? Were you a fan of Red Dwarf? Um, I, initially, the first few series, especially, and one of my one of my um, real comedy highlights. Very early in my career, I got to do a gig with Norman Lovett, mm. um, uh, which was awesome. And two years ago, I met Hattie Hayridge at the annual Comedians Christmas Party as well. So mm. I've I've met I've met two Hollies basically. I've worked, I've done a gig with what? Well, yeah, I've met two Hollies. So I'm I'm you know I'm I'm good with that. But I've mm. got to admit, it's like I I didn't get past probably about season three. Tell him your because- story. Sorry, Hedge. He's got, oh, a, right. he's got a Red Dwarf oh. story. He went out for a curry with Red Dwarf. Yeah, I did go out for a curry with Red Dwarf. Yeah, I'm not nice. a spaceship, but pictures yeah. and everything. I went out. I went out with uh, with Lister and and yeah, Lister and Crichton. So yeah, that was, that was cool. Awesome. Yeah, my brother-in-law. And you in, met Rimmer, didn't my you? My brother-in-law was in um, Craig Charles. He's you know he's probably, he's well into his music and stuff. Yeah. And he had um he had a band called the Craig Charles um, Fantasy Funk Band, and my brother-in-law oh, yeah. was in them. Um, and he'd become good friends of him. And when they were filming uh, Red Wolf 10, he said, like, my brother-in-law said to me, do you want to come up and watch him film for the day? So I went up to, just to watch him film, which was brilliant in itself. Yeah. And then at the end, Lister come over, Craig Charles come over. He went, right, we're going for a curry then. And I was like, you what? <laughs> yeah, and it was really cool. Brilliant. That's, that's brilliant. Little, that's my little Red Wolf there story. There we go. We'll let you go on that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. <laughs> All right, sign off All there, right, guys. Hey, no, it's been it's talk been a to blast. Talk to you soon, yeah. Yeah, talk to you soon, guys. Yeah.